we're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is. What's it, what's it like on a farm? You know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers. Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Trevor Bales from Buckeye, Arizona. Bales Hay Sales is a small family-owned and operated farm in Buckeye, Arizona. Their family has been farming the same land since 1891. They grow, harvest, and store feed for wholesale and retail customers to purchase throughout the year. Trevor, how are things in Buckeye, Arizona this evening? Warm, but uh, probably 100 degrees today. So here we are, April oh <laughs> 28th, and it's 100 degrees. Dan, how about the Panhandle wow. of Texas? Well, it definitely was not that hot, but uh, I was sweating pretty good, just doing some farm work on the farm, and that's about it. It's good to hear, Trevor. Oh, just another day in paradise, uh, working from home. There we go. Um, Trevor there, Bells, yeah. thanks for coming on the show today. Uh, why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, first of all, uh, Wade, Dan, thanks for having me on the show. Pretty excited. Not not too often a guy gets asked to be on a podcast, so super. thanks for having me. Very excited. Um, my name is Trevor Bales. I'm the sixth generation on my family farm here in Buckeye, Arizona. Uh, I'm 30, 34 years old. I got a little nine-month-old boy and uh, loving life. And we are, my uh, family, we're, we're hay farmers. That's what we what we grow we currently grow that anyways. Uh, we're, being that we're farmers, it, it could change. It, it could always change. Right on, right on. Alan, how how uh, in depth wait, do you want me I, to go? Gotcha. Um, first, and I, I just want to say thanks for coming on the show. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Trevor. Uh, kind of fill us out on who Trevor Bales is. <laughs> who, oh, uh, I mean, if you want to get deep, we can get, we can get, we got deep. How much time do you guys have? Wow. Uh, I'm pretty, <laughs> man, I'm, I, I am a farmer. I, I, I think of myself as a glorified lawn man. We are our main crop. And since I've been alive, has been alfalfa. Uh, when I was pretty young, cotton was uh, in our feedlot were, were big, but I was so young. I don't remember it. I wasn't a part of it. I, mean, I remember the cows and, and, and uh, beating cotton trailers and riding pickers. But uh, since I've been a part of it, it's always been, hey, so I, sometimes I feel I feel bad taking on the, the, the name of a farmer because I don't I don't I plant we plant alfalfa and we plant a little bit of wheat and when I, we we plant cotton I call my neighbor up he's got a super nice uh cotton planter with a super nice tractor and he sets everything up perfect and he plants and and he goes and then I call a guy and he comes and sprays it then we we irrigate it then I call another guy and he sprays it again and then uh I call another guy and he comes and picks it so I, I don't know. Sometimes I feel guilty telling people or, or associating as a farmer. I don't, I don't feel like a very good farmer. My, uh, my experience is very, very narrow. Um, I can run balers. I, uh, <laughs> I can't really take one apart, but I, I can run a baler, uh, uh, and, uh, the a whole hay crew. But, um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm the, like I said earlier, I'm the sixth generation on this farm. Uh, it, it goes from my dad, my dad and his cousin, they, 
my dad runs the farm, owns the business. My cousin manages it, and I manage it with with my, with my dad's cousin. Um, I've recently gone over more to the uh, to the um, the freight side and the storage, um, the sales, customer service, um, inventory side side of things. I used to spend quite a bit of time in tractors, but now I just find myself on the phone all day in a truck and a squeeze, uh, putting out fires, um, yelling at people. I don't know. It's, it's all over the place. But, um, uh, but before that, I guess I was in the great state of Texas. I went to Texas Christian university for college. Um, right on. I was so narrow. <laughs> I was so narrow tunnel vision, just farm farm. All, I'm going to end up farming. That's what I'm going to do. That's the only thing that exists is farming. I got to college. It's like, Whoa, there's a lot of other things a guy could do in life. Um, this is crazy. What, we, the, what, what is this oil industry? What is that? You mean there's geologists here that just learn about rocks so they can help find oil, gas, oil and gas. Like this is the craziest thing I've heard of. Um, I wouldn't say I was under a rock before I got to college, but I just didn't really uh, do a lot of digging into, into other things in life. So I got to college. I uh, love Texas. I love Texas. It's I would say it's my second home for sure. Um, uh, and uh, I didn't want to come back to the farm right away because I knew too many, too many other friends uh, that, that went to school and they didn't, shouldn't say they didn't take it serious, but they just knew where they would be the day after graduation. And I wanted more experience. Uh, so I, I had a class with a kid, uh, several classes with a kid. His dad owned a small um, electronics company where they service the oil and gas company and i uh, i uh, one evening just having a beer with him and his dad his dad said you'd make a great salesman come on i want you to come i want you to uh interview and, and maybe work for us after college said, all right cool sounds cool to me so i interviewed and uh started working for them and they installed the uh, communications equipment on oil uh oil fields um computer systems, radio systems. After I started learning, he wanted me to learn from, from the bottom to the top to where I could explain what we were doing when it came time to selling a product. I started, I got to the uh, um, programming, the uh, well, the wellheads and, and the head programmer was pretty excited because the guy that was with a degree that had a brain on was out there. So he kind of, he took me from the boss and said, no, 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 this guy's not going to be a salesman. I'm going to teach this guy how to program wells, which, which was fun. It was a giant puzzle. You'd show up, every well was different, but the same. They all had the same pieces, but they were just put together different. So we had to program this well according to what was on the site. And along with programming, we were also in charge of uh, wells that were, were shut in or shut off for, for a reason. These wells that were on these systems, if they were shut down, I would get an email with a GPS coordinate up in Alva, Oklahoma. Um, I, I lived in Enid, Oklahoma, and I'd travel up to Alva. And I'd just get a GPS coordinate. I got I was able to drive through some beautiful, beautiful farm country um, in Oklahoma. I used to drive through a, a Alfalfa County, actually. And I was so envious or jealous. Like, oh, how did these guys get a county named Alfalfa? They don't know. They don't know how to make Alfalfa. Like, what the heck? These guys have no clue. But uh, <laughs> it was it was beautiful, beautiful country. <laughs> There's and, be, and great people too. I remember one time I got pulled over, uh, 
going kind of quickly because I it, it was 80 miles one way every day. You get on these big open roads and the, and the cop pulls me over and he says, here, come back, come in the back and it was sit in the passenger seat of my car, the, the, the cruiser. And I'd never been in a cop car. So I get back there and I'm looking around and he says, what are you looking at? I've never been in a cop car. What? Let's go for a ride. Whoop, he throws the lights on. It was cool, man. Uh, <laughs> he looked. You're from Arizona? Yeah, yes, sir, I am. He said, do you like to hunt? Oh, no, I hunted quite a bit. He said, what do you think? I want to show you a deer. Pulls out his personal phone, which is a smartphone, starts showing me these uh, these white Kelly shot. Uh, it was funny. Just uh, just the, the funny little stories, you things you remember from uh, previous previous places. But I, I, I loved Oklahoma. It was beautiful. I loved that north northeastern country. Uh, beautiful up there. And then, um, oh, just some other stuff. Uh, ended up chasing a girl back to Dallas. That was stupid. It seems like stupid stories always involve girls. So I ended up back in Dallas working for a freight broker, a logistics company, which ironically, I'm glad I did. I didn't like the job at the time. Uh, it paid, it paid my bills. It paid, paid pretty well, very well, actually. Uh, so it was good. But after learning everything they do, and now 10 years later on the farm, I deal with freight brokers every day, sending shipping hay to my customers in Texas, Louisiana, Florida, um, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. Every now and then, a, a freight broker will try to kind of pull something over on me, and I just remind them real quick, "Hey, uh, yeah, I, I was a freight broker for a year. I know I know exactly how this works, and it kind of I don't know. They don't they don't and they realize oh, I can't can't trick this guy or or pull the tricks on him. But anyways." Uh, so I did that for a while, and like I said, I didn't think it would become beneficial in my life, uh, especially in farming, but um, it, it, it has in several other aspects of buying equipment, finding trucks, um, for bringing equipment home, or mostly just sending hay out. Um, and after after the, uh, <laughs> like I said, everything, bad, bad, stupid decisions revolve around women, it seems like. Uh, uh, you guys are young. Well, I know Dan's young, so uh, he might not know this yet. But uh, so after after a bad breakup, I, I uh, so now this is where the story gets even crazier. Um, a friend of mine from uh, from college, his family owned a safari and hunting company in Tanzania, so uh, Africa. Uh, one one uh, summer break during college, I spent three months in Tanzania working for the safari company, and I loved it. And there are very few things in life where I will say I thought about I've thought about something every day of, of my life for a, a or every day for a period of time. But after my first trip there in 2010, of the summer of 2010, I thought about getting back to Africa almost every day after that. Um, so after a bad breakup, did not didn't enjoy being a freight broker very much. Emailed those guys and said, "Hey, I don't own a house. Uh, I have no nothing, no." Uh, nothing holding me here. I would like to come back and work. And, uh, luckily, uh, my, my, my father, my grandfather taught me pretty good work ethic. I like, like to think I have a good work ethic anyways. And they said, we would love to have you back. You were a great employee three years ago. Uh, when can you get here? So I went home for a week, spent a week with my family and then jumped on a plane and told them I didn't know when I'd be home. So I spent six months in the bush in uh, Tanzania building camps, looking for poachers and, uh, opening roads, uh, building boundary lines. <clears throat> Excuse me. Okay. Uh, hold on. Hold on. I can't, I can't <laughs> be quiet anymore. This is too good. <laughs> this is too good. So you were looking for poachers. You were, you were 
searching. You were hunting down poachers, basically. Is that I what you're spent, getting I at? I spent more time hunting people than I spent hunting animals. Um, I was, well, <laughs> that is I, awesome. I spent a lot of time um, building campsites, and uh, but yeah, we would we would if we if we had the means, the trucks, enough uh, people to help, we would just start driving, and you look for uh, bicycle tracks. And mm-hmm. you know, man, I've been in so many arguments with people about hunting, and and and, and I mean, we hunt. They were they would hunt everything, lions, um, elephant, hippo, no giraffe, giraffe and uh, and cheetah, cheetah are, are not um, the cheetah is the national the, the national animal I think or the, I forget or they're just uh, no the giraffe's the national animal of Tanzania and then the cheetah's just they're they're I think they're um, what do you call it when there's not very many of them left um, scarce or but whatever. Uh, yeah you're just not right so you can't you see you can't hunt cheetah but like leopard but uh that hunt was i've argued with so many people these hunts are extremely expensive and if you treat it like a business these guys spend the owner of these companies lease these units where they hunt and they are extremely extremely expensive they last for 10 to 20 years depending on the lease they get but if you're selling animals, you don't want to run out of animals. You want more animals. Mm-hmm. And they spend a lot of time and a lot of money looking for poachers because a, a hunter, a big game trophy hunter, is going to hunt a very specific thing. Big, old, and male. That's it. They don't, they don't, and, and it's illegal to shoot females, but, but you want something big, you want something old because age and size kind of go together and then it's got to be a male where poachers they set these they set snares and they just catch anything they can catch females young young animals male and female female pregnant females they it doesn't matter they want to catch anything and everything um and so we spent a lot of time looking for poachers, uh, finding snares. I have a couple of videos where we found some animals on snares. We were able to get them loose before they were in, they'd injured themselves or were injured by the snare. Um, so it, very, very interesting, very eye-opening uh, uh, being in a uh, third world country for um, at seven months, no running water, no cell phones. No, uh, everything was, we had to find, always keep water pretty close by. We carried diesel, petrol, they called it uh fuel in, in a 55 gallon drum in the back of the pickup so we could <laughs> with two of them actually so we could keep a uh, keeping a fuel to make it around but it was a uh, man very interesting i loved it saw saw some amazing things worked with some worked with some great great locals uh uh yeah such a such an experience and then uh uh i, I, I went from there to kenya one of the guys i worked with his dad He's from Europe, and he was down there as an apprentice. Um, to, to hunt there, you have to hire a professional hunter. To become a professional hunter, you do a three-year apprenticeship. So this kid was down there on his apprenticeship. His dad had a house in Kenya, right on the beach. Oh, my gosh, right on the beach, within walking distance to a uh, restaurant and bar called Hemingway's in Watamu Bay, um, uh, Kenya. And so and we for a month straight, never in my life, have I, okay, I take that back. That was the first month in my life where I did nothing for one whole month, but just sit on the beach. And at first it was kind of driving me crazy because I got to have something to do. 
after like a week of it, you're like, okay, I can do this. And then after a month, you're like, this is the life. I'm just sitting on the beach every morning. Uh, I watch the sun come up on the beach every night. I watch the sun go down on the beach. It was, it was super cool. Uh, we spent New Year's there actually, uh, Christmas and New Year's. Then I flew down to Cape Town where another apprentice was uh, from. And then I spent another four months in Cape Town, three months, three and a half months in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, pretty much doing nothing. This kid, his parents were, uh, his dad was a, a pilot. He was on a, um, he was on a, uh, working, uh, for another airline in another country. I don't remember where he was, he was in Mauritius, uh, in their condo is just sitting there fully furnished and empty. They said, Hey, the, uh, condos there, we're gone for two years. You boys do whatever you want. So I was able to stay in a condo for free, like, uh, 15 floors up, beautiful view of table, table mountain and the ocean and, <laughs> I did another another three and a half months of pretty much doing nothing, just uh, wandering around Cape Town. The water was freezing cold, and there were great whites in it, so I didn't get in the water very much. But I did go cage diving. My sister flew down um, down there, and we went cage diving. That was pretty cool. Uh, great whites are the scariest thing. That's I don't like the ocean. I don't go like any more than waist deep. Oh, it scares me to death. So I just waist deep's about it for me in the ocean. <laughs> then. Uh, while I was in Tanzania, my dad came to visit me and, uh, uh, and he said, Hey, whenever you're done, I'm, I'm ready for you to come home. I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to slow down a little bit. It's getting to where it's too much. We need, we need some extra help and, uh, I'm ready for you to come home. I said, awesome. So, uh, I said, let me finish out, just kind of hang out and, uh, uh, run out of money because I've been paid for the, uh, the, while I was hunt- working for the company, they were paying me there. So this was, this is not a, daddy funded trip by any means this was uh <laughs> limited money and, and and watch how you spend it and, and live off of rice and beans and tortillas pretty much so uh um he said well, whatever you're done fly home so uh finally flew home and have been on the farm ever since wow um, and, uh, yeah it's, a, it's quite a at college man <laughs> crazy stuff can happen after college Wade, where do you want to go from here? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Well, you're like, oh, Africa, tell us about yourself. Really? Well, let's, let's go to Africa. I tell everyone, if you have the means or the opportunity to see the Serengeti, it is the coolest thing I have ever seen. I have never seen, I mean, Wade, especially, you've been around Big Dairies. You've seen, I've seen, I've seen um, 10,000, 15,000 cow dairies and feedlots. Like, that's a lot of animals. But you get on the Serengeti. And there are animals as far as you can see until you can't see. There's just, there's spots, like black, black dots of zebra, wildebeest, buffalo, um, all sorts of gazelles, 10 different, uh, different kinds of gazelles, giraffe. I mean, it's it's, it's like you just, your mind can't comprehend what you're looking at. You see animals as far as you can see any direction. And you know you've seen a lot of animals in your life, but you, you still you can't you can't quantify how many animals you're looking at right now. It's the wildest, most beautiful. Um, now I've never. I mean, it's just what a way to feel. I don't like to get too spiritual all the time, but man, what a way to feel close to God too. That's some of the like being there with with, with all of His creatures. You're like, how can you look at this and and be, and, and deny the fact that that God exists? But um. Uh, it just—it was—it's the coolest thing I've—I've I've seen. Um, and I tell everyone if you—if you get the chance, uh, 
go with a dad, a grandfather, take your kid or what. I don't know. The Serengeti is the coolest thing. I mean, it's expensive. Don't get me wrong, but man, it is the coolest thing um, I've ever seen. So, yeah. That is, that is a great story to hear. And Dan and I always, always love to learn more about people that you, like Dan, Dan mentioned, he thinks you, he, he feels like he knows you through social media. Uh, but, but this, this aspect of you, it's, it's completely new. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, you mentioned that your your dad dad said that he was ready for you to come back home. Um, was that was that what you were waiting for um, to go back to Arizona? Or were you, were you just planning on staying in Africa till till something led you to somewhere else? Man, I was really thinking hard about doing this apprenticeship. I loved it there. The British guy, the guy from England, he hated it. He was, you know, British can be so grouchy. Every day was just like. He was just grouchy. I'm like, dude, this is the coolest thing in the world. I don't have a cell phone. I'm not getting blown up every day. Like we are, I'm I'm a very personable uh, person. I'm chatty. I can be a social butterfly. And kind of funny when I was dating my wife, I told her, man, I'm like a oxymoron. Like, I don't know. Like I, I'm very, I'm very, I'm an extrovert. Like when you get me a group of people, but I am very introverted. If I, if, like if I was a, a person with a non-essential job, like this Corona uh, crack, like uh, quarantine would be my ideal life. I would not leave my house for six weeks. Like I am happy uh, not leaving the house. Like it, uh, I don't, so being in Africa and and not speaking English for weeks on end. Uh, I didn't shower for six weeks. The right at the very end of the of the season before the rainy season, the boss uh, gave me a man a massive list of numbers. They're all GPS coordinates. He said go to a local village, get, get like 20 guys. And, and I want you to make a, a five meter or a three meter. So like five foot uh, or 15 foot um, path along this, these GPS coordinates, my, the neighboring uh, hunting company has been coming on our property and shooting our animals. I want to make a big, uh, a big boundary line. So they know when they're on our property, you know, we left off and we just tent. And, uh, and it was, you don't know how long this is going to take. You don't know what you're going to come across. You don't know, you don't know anything. And so I, I love that. The British guy that was with me, he hated it. He's like, this sucks. I'm like, dude, how cool is this? Like, we're going to go places where nobody goes. Like, this is the coolest thing ever. And there's nobody bugging us. It's like, th- like the two of us, three, there's another guy too. The South African was with us. It was like, there's three of us. And. It was, I don't know. It was great. It's just I, I I I I loved it. Um. So I thought I might do that, but the marriage, the the all those mar the those uh, professional hunters that were married, they spend so much time away from home that they mo- they generally end in divorce. Their marriages end in divorce. Um. It it's uh it is a. Like the Hollywood life of crazy stories, buffalo attacks, lion attacks, ha- javelinas, and uh, uh, hippo. But you only work six months out of the year, and you very much have to market yourself if you want to get clients that only want to hunt with you, and then you take them to other countries so you can work year year around. But um, it's it's a tough life, and uh, it's not very good for families. And I, I knew I wanted to have a family. I also thought I'd end up back in Dallas, um, maybe working at an oil and gas company. I had some friends with some 
uh, was that we're working for some pretty good places. And they thought they, they were kind of like telling me that, Oh, that, you know, there's, there's some good job openings here, but, um, I, and I, I would say there is some, I feel some sort of obligation after my dad, my brother doesn't want anything to do with the farm. I have a sister and she doesn't want anything to do with the farm. And so it's, it's down to me. So I did feel, feel some obligation. I shouldn't say I felt some, I felt a lot of obligation. Not that my dad put any on me. My dad's been great my entire life. You do whatever you want to do. Um, I want you to get education. So you have the opportunity to do whatever you want. I will. And, uh, uh, he, he would support any decision I made. Um, he, he's a he's a he's a great great wonderful father, um, and and he's a re- great to work with as well. He's been a wonderful boss, uh, which is a whole other topic about uh, farm families and relationships and working for um, uh, parents and grandparents. But um, so I wasn't real sure. I thought I might end up back in Dallas, DFW area, but. Uh, uh, but yeah, after he came and said, I'm ready for you to come home, I, I knew I was going home. Wow. I'm just blown away. I think you you and I have talked a little bit about you going to Africa over Instagram at one point. But, man, mm-hmm. that is that is quite the experience there. Uh, just yeah. wow. I'm, <laughs> I'm amazed. That's, that's pretty cool. That's a great way to put things together right there. I really like it. Well, and I- and I even I forgot about this. So right before I left Africa, uh, like the la- that last week I was there in uh, Texas, I met a guy. He worked for this big, big, big suitcase company. He said, "Trevor, uh, I, he, I go to church with a guy who knows your friend, and he told me that you're you, you're into hunting and fishing and, and whatnot, but you spent time in Africa. Well, I work for this big suitcase company. I'm moving to L.A." Um, when you get back from Africa, call me because I, we want, we want to kind of venture off and have like a hunting category of bags. It's like, all right, that's kind of cool. So when I got back, I actually went, went over to LA and I was like, this is like, I don't think I could live in LA. This place sucks. <laughs> so he, he made me an offer. They made me an offer and it was a really good offer. And it was exciting too. It, it, Cause it was going to be meeting with, with, with the CEOs of, uh, of a uh, of, of Bass Pro Shop and Cabela's, um, Costco, Walmart, I mean, all these, they, they had suitcases in every major store you could think of. They had suitcases there. They're wanting to get like a outdoor, an outdoor line, hunting, fishing, sport, uh, sports stuff as well. Um, and so that, that was kind of, that was exciting. I was pretty pumped about it. And when I got to LA, I was like, dude, I can't, this place is miserable. I can't live here. Go from, go from the bush to LA. That was, so anyways yeah that that was very very short lived in that yeah back on the on the farm wow you have got quite the history there i'm I'm just impressed (laughs) yeah yeah that's why i tell everyone you uh you gotta go to college you never know what's gonna happen (laughs) we uh let's let's shift gears and 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 go back to arizona (laughs) Um, when yeah. you, when you look up Buckeye, Arizona on a map, it's kind of in, would, would you say Southwest Arizona, kind of just, just West of Phoenix very there. Much. Um, yeah, when you look at Arizona much. as a whole, it is a, it's very Brown, um, on Google maps, lots of desert, but as you zoom very in on, much. as you zoom in on Buckeye, it gets very green, very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it about yep. that part of the state that makes it so, um, predominant for, for a thriving ag industry? Well, most of Arizona is mountainous and high deserts. 
So there's a lot of a lot of Arizona, six thousand feet, over six thousand feet, with the Grand Canyons and some beautiful uh, pine trees. Eastern, uh, north, eastern Arizona, northern Arizona, uh, southeastern Arizona has some mountains. So that it's kind of it's a very mountainous state. But as you follow, there's a there's a river valley. The Gila River runs through, and and you can kind of follow it all along there. It's low elevation and it's pretty flat and there's water underground where we get our water uh there's quite a bit of agriculture that follows it all the way down to uh yuma california so that's why um that's what what the ag follows and there's some other little pockets here and there you get up in uh central east uh central to west arizona there's some there's some farming up there, just some desert valleys. They're a little bit higher elevation, not much, but a couple hundred feet higher than us. But, uh, um, but really most of what, most of the farming here, Gila Bend down to Yuma, it is this, uh, this river valley and there's a lot of water underground. It's very salty, but, uh, it, uh, it, uh, grows, grows a lot and it can produce a lot because we are farming almost year round. Uh, dairies are green chopping in December, January, February, um, guys bail year round. They'll bail, try to line it up to where they, their last, uh, bail will be, uh, they'll bail in November and then they'll take a whole month to a month and a half off and they'll start back up in late January. They can take two months off. So, uh, it's kind of a, for, for the acreage in Arizona is very small, but what it puts out for those acreages is, is, is what's incredible. And I don't know those numbers. I wish I did. So, no, that's okay. Uh, tell us, tell us a little about, your operation uh what do y'all raise uh we are 90 85 percent alfalfa i've got mm-hmm. another I, I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of spitballing these numbers but we've got alfalfa bermuda grass um we're tr- we're we've been trying to grow another new grass called teff grass t-e-f-f it's fairly popular in the horse fancy horse area uh I've got a couple hundred acres of uh, wheat silage for for my my in-laws dairy. Um, we'll probably have a hundred acres of cotton just for nostalgia's sake. My dad just likes to grow cotton because he loves cotton, uh, even though it doesn't really make money, but he just likes it. Other than that, yeah, it's alfalfa. Alfalfa. Gotcha. So this is a little off subject here, but. Where did you come up, or where did y'all end up with the name? Your name is, last name is Bales. How did that happen? I'm kind of curious. Spelled just like a bale of marijuana, Dan. It's the same spelling. Just kidding. Bale bale of of pot. Just, no. Um, So my family homestead in Arizona in 1891, my, uh, that great, 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 grandfather was actually here in 1836 but they didn't actually go through the homestead process until 1891 his last name was Belote, b-e-l-o-a-t uh so my ancestors were here but they're they're, they're the Belotes. and my great grandpa wallace bales uh moved moved here i forget when they when his family moved here they came here for uh his dad's health um i think they're from ohio or somewhere but they moved here and he married a belote and eventually bought purchased the farm from his father-in-law and then it became the the, the bales farm it went from the belote farm to the bales farm so the bales really haven't been here all that long but i'm at, i'm a direct 
descendant from the uh, Belokes that moved here, that homesteaded here in 1891. And they came here as ranchers. They brought their uh, on horseback, obviously 1891 horseback, and brought their cattle with them. And they were they were ranchers. And then they slowly got into farming um, as time went by. And then my great 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 one of those grandpas helped put in the first irrigation district uh, in Buckeye. Well, the only one in Buckeye, I guess. But um, yeah, so they've got quite a bit of history. Well, I have one grandpa that was a sheriff. It's kind of cool. I want to make a, a sheriff t-shirt one day, you know, but that's, uh, oh, that's not many cool. people would get it. Locals wouldn't even get it. <laughs> Trevor, so, you, anyway, you, that's so in our, in the, the pre-survey we sent you, I mean, y'all, y'all, y'all sell a lot of hay. You, um, you, you market a lot of hay to lots of different places. Are y'all, do y'all grow all that yourself or do y'all have to go out and buy some to kind of buy and sell to meet the demand? <laughs> No, we do have to buy now. It used to be all everything we we grew ourselves, uh, and it kind of started when cotton started going going south, not doing very well. We have we have another farm out on the desert, and where we have to uh, we're down in a district. We we had to buy natural gas to run these big motors that pumped these wells that were putting out three thousand gallons per minute. They're pretty good sized wells. We got to where the cotton just wasn't supporting itself, and the the feedlot that we had uh, in Buckeye here was kind of supporting that desert farm. There's a thousand acres out in the middle of nowhere. It's, it's fun to go out there. It's just flat and there's nothing there. But, um, uh, and as, as that was going down and my, my grandpa kind of saw that, man, this cotton deals was not going very well. People would then were at the same time driving into our place and asking, Hey, w- w- I need a bale of hay, Mr. Bales. Do you, uh, can I buy something from you? And he had no clue what it was worth. They've never, we were just bailing dry alfalfa to feed the cattle. There was no quality check. There was nothing. We just bail it up heavy and feed, and we cut the strings and feed it to the cows. He, he saw something in that. There was another guy that does it uh, a little more in town, for, uh, closer to town, and he, he knew they were doing it. And he thought, man, maybe there's something to this. So I, I don't tell you, we were not the original uh, retail wholesale store. There have been other guys doing it. We just happen to have a cool name, I guess. Uh, uh, I don't know. Other than that, and those other guys are good at it too. We're not the best. We we're all anyone can make hay. I tell. <laughs> There's no magic or anything special to it. But uh, so well, my grandpa started selling it here and there. My my dad did not like the idea. He wanted to be a farmer. He did not want random people driving through our our farm because to get to our store, you drive onto our property. You drive past all my tractors. You drive past my red dye diesel tanks, my office, my shop, you pass the shop where we're working on equipment at any given day to a barn where I've got uh, a few teenagers that, that will load the hay in the back of your pickup. And my dad just it hated the thought of that. All these people driving right past all of our things. I mean, he's automatically thinking liabilities. Like, oh my gosh, we're going to have an accident. A tractor is going to drive someone over. Someone's going to run into a tractor. This is a terrible idea. Thank goodness my grandpa was persistent enough, and he was the boss at the time, and he he, he pushed, pressed my dad, and, and my dad finally uh, agreed, and that and that's where we are now. Um, but at the time, yeah, we we produced our own prop our own properties, about right around a thousand acres. It was twelve hundred, now it's down to eight hundred or something, and then back up to nine something, whatever. But uh, we've we make such a consistent consistent. Uh, product we were one of the first out here to put scales on our balers and when a feed store is buying it by the weight 
they want to have a consistent bale because then they sell it by the bale, buy it by the ton, sell it by the bale. And we put these scales on and, and we, we do our best to make a, make the best product we can possibly make. And that's led us to where our customer base has grown so much. We do now buy hay from other farmers. And a lot of that may be someone bale, uh, grows it, we custom harvest it, and then I buy it from them. So I still have all the control over the bale weights. And there's a few times, uh, there's several thousand tons I have to buy every year that other people bale. But I look at it, I look at every single truckload before it comes into our farm. And I, I decide where it gets put. I like to keep all the same quality hay in the same quality storage or the same barn or shed as you guys like to call them, pole barns. Uh, and so I am still very picky about what we, what we take in. I don't, I don't, I won't buy anything that I haven't seen because every now and then people will think of it as a hay broker and, and they, they hear, hear that term and they, it can be have some kind of negative uh, views on a hay broker, but I still look at all the hay before it comes in here. And I watch a lot of it as it goes out myself. So that we still have a lot of quality control. So as a farmer, I mean, I know where my market is with with milo and wheat i know the parts of that you're you're on a you're on a different level of consumer-based products to to the to a to a degree uh tell me a little bit about that i want i kind of want to learn about that oh it's very oh like right now it's very difficult several years ago 10 years ago or more they started exporting a lot of alfalfa to the middle east china and a um any other country that wanted to buy it. I had someone call me from Korea recently. Well, they messaged me. We're in Korea. We need alfalfa. So call someone else. But um, they uh, they they were such big companies, and they were buying hundreds of thousands of tons of alfalfa. They kind of would set the market, which was good and bad. Sometimes it, because they had so much money, especially these. Uh, companies from uh uh with oil money they, they they wouldn't let them use water to a farm in like uh saudi arabia or the middle east anywhere and so they had to start buying alfalfa from arizona and arizona may have, their quality of alfalfa uh, is outstanding in california as well uh but uh it was kind of nice they could set the market a little bit well right now and and, and that's the closest thing to somebody setting the market there is no major company that buys up a large percent of the alfalfa grown in in the country or arizona or any area in a lot of it so it's either those guys the dairies before them it would be the dairies the dairies kind of whatever they thought alfalfa was worth for their cattle they kind of set the market as well this year with everything going on with this virus the exporters have really not stepped in um dairies are the milk product prices are so low and a lot of dairies now have all, a lot of their own property, so they don't need to buy as much alfalfa as they used to. I get, I probably get three or four calls a day of, "What do you think? What do you think prices are? What do you, what's hay going to go to?" And it, it's, it's going to be very low this year. I don't see how it, it could be higher. Uh, all these events that people are used to going to and needing high quality feed for their horses just aren't happening. Ropings, barrel races, rodeos, horse races. Uh, the show horse, the what do you call hunter jumpers, uh, ra- horse training. They're not doing these shows, and when they're not doing these shows, they can feed their horse 
they can put out on pasture and it can just eat a grass um, or a baled grass even it doesn't they don't need a high quality high protein high feed value um, feed so the our 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 um, wholesale is down a lot but back to the market the market every year I mean, every market changes every year for everything for your milo your grains um, <clears throat> cotton but man for alfalfa it, it is it is a it's just a guess. I mean, 100% I guess. You're just like, what's it going to be next year? What are we, what what should we, what should we go for? Um, I mean, we were, two years ago, there was a shortage and we were up at $290 a ton for our premium hay and only had about a thousand tons of it, but it made up to 290, which is the highest I've ever seen it. And that same premium hay right now is probably $240 a ton. It, uh, and that's just such a small percentage of our total our total crop so it's a very <laughs> it's all it's almost like the stock market where like what do people think it's worth you know there's no one saying what it's worth and that's what you pay and there's no one to make a contract with it's what do you think the value of this hay is and, and you're always wondering is there a another farmer out there that's got a big payment coming up so he's going to lower the price of his twenty dollars a ton just to get a paycheck to pay some equipment or his um his payroll or, or what, whatever. So you're always kind of on that edge of, wow, are, 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 is this price right? Cause it changes every, every week, every month. It's not a set price. And we just start, we just smooth sailing. And then there's qualities. I could send someone in Dallas or, or Stephenville can call up and say, I want some number, some number one alfalfa. And I send them something that I think is number one. It shows up and they think it's number two. And now I've got to change my price. So, because it's already shipped over there and I don't want a angry customer or I'm or I could say, Hey, too bad, too sad, whatever. Uh, but I, I like to help customers and, and I like returning customers. So I'll have to change my price. So price is not always set either. It, it can, it can change with every load. So, uh, it's, a, it's kind of a difficult, um, dance, if you will. You're, it's, you're always trying to stay on top of it because you can get behind very easily when it comes to what what you're selling it at and what you're buying it at yeah i don't know did that even answer it quite right i seem to go off on these long no that was a, uh, a perfect <laughs> no, that's, answer, that's perfect exactly answer. It. you you mentioned customers and, and anybody that deals with customers on a daily basis has challenges um how does the bells the bells hay um operation uh you kind of touched on it there but at, with with shipping hay so many different places and so many different climates um, how do y'all handle customer complaints um, when they do come in? Oh my gosh, uh, it just depends. Oh man, like sometimes loading hay going to Florida. If I put hay that's a little bit too green in a dry van, and they've got some high high moisture, it shows up there, and they I get a phone call. This hay is soggy. All right, so the next load, let's pick out a drier hay. Let's get something dry in there. To when it gets there, it's good moisture, not too much moisture. So I can have a complaint like that. I uh, get another call in Texas. Oh, this stack has some weeds in it. All right. Well, right away, I usually ask, what, what would make you happy? Uh, what would make the customer happy? And <laughs> so they can, they can be unrealistic, but uh, sometimes they're, once you kind of ask them that, they realize, hey, this guy's going to help me out with something. So, well, it's only 10 bales. Like, All right. You know what? We'll find out the average bale weight. And we're just going to, I'll just, I'll, if you're going to buy more hay, I'll just subtract that from the next load, or I can send you. I can refund you back. Most stuff's paid with credit card over the phone, so we can we can refund stuff back. But I get my my local 
my my store here in in Buckeye. Oh, I had a, a squeeze driver. I had a stack of hay on the back of the pickup. He was kind of picking it up, raised as they were putting like thirty bales in the back of this Ford. They're picking the stack up to so they weren't having to throw the hay up. And he hooked her bumper and started picking the truck up and bent her bumper. And so, oh, that's a whole new type of complaint. Your guy picked up my truck and bent my bumper. All right. Well, say kind of what, what would you guys what, what would you like? And sometimes they're very unrealistic and you know, uh, and like, oh, I'm, I want like 10 grand. Like, I'm not giving you 10 grand for a 1998 Ford with more dents in it than, I don't know, a, a garbage can. So, but, uh, uh, but yeah, he, he just kind of got to work around it. Um, you get everything from that guy had a bad attitude. Oh, to, oh, I had one kid one time, ex girlfriend's sister came in and he followed her home and had a fight out in the, in the front yard oh that was a nightmare i was actually trying to propose to my wife and my phone is going off just non-stop i got back that guy like i'm so sorry did that like dude that was like the most important day of my life till right now and you were ruining it no i'm not going to hire you back um uh so yeah just all sorts of complaints Ugh. and then starting this clothing company which has been fun but I'm, I'm constantly getting emails of, oh, I got the wrong hat. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Keep that hat. I'm going to send you a new one. <laughs> Since I've been talking to you guys, I got an email. I ordered two shirts and I just got one. All right. Well, I'm going to send you the one you ordered plus something else because I like repeat customers. Yeah, I'm going to lose money, but in the long run, I want to keep repeat customers. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I generally put it back in the customers. So I ask them what, what they want, what would make them happy and then uh, try to uh, accommodate the best we can. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, or tell us a little more about your, uh, your uh, clothing company. Cause I've, I've seen your shirts and I have yet to actually buy one. Maybe I can get the wrong one too and <laughs> get two or three. <laughs> and I have definitely be a returning customer, but tell us a little bit how that all come, came about. Cause it seems like quite a few, uh, "Quote unquote social media stars, and I, I put you in that category. Uh, have come no, no, off with a huge. Well, I, I'm going to do it anyway. Have come off with a huge uh, line of products, uh, clothing products, and it seems to be going really well. Uh, tell us a little bit about that, so. Well, so we've had our, our 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 local store here where people could buy clothing. Or I mean, buy uh, hay for. Oh my gosh, it's been several twenty years or whatever, and. My grandpa, it started, I guess, with him. He raised quarter horses. And if you bought a horse from him, you got a hat that said, Steve Bales Quarter Horse. And my dad told me, I don't know how old I was, 15, whatever it was. Hey, find out. We need some Bales Hay hats to give to customers when they buy a semi-load or something. Okay. So I started getting hats. You know, they were, oh, they were so ugly. They were some of the ugliest hats you guys have ever seen. I wish I had some because they're so ugly to see how far we've come along. And, oh, they're pathetic. And T-shirts that we had, you're like, oh, like you just look back like, oh, my gosh. Like, what the heck? But uh, so I, it, I, the funny thing about it, I've been making hats and T-shirts for well, 25, almost 10 years. Uh, they, I mean, they've all sucked up until the last probably three years. but. Uh, I shouldn't say that. Probably ten years, but uh, or, yeah, 
I've been making hats for oh, yeah, whatever uh, the past four or five years. But um, I, I, a good buddy I met at TCU, um, and he started a clothing company, uh, Bison Union. His name's Bert. Yeah, you know, and I and I used to take my hats back to college with me. I come home, I I'd take hats with me just to wear around campus, and and people always liked them. Like, I'm sure I'll just give you one. I just give them to people. I just, whatever, here, here's a Bell Shea hat. Doesn't matter. More, uh, whatever. Uh, well, then my buddy Bert, I worked for his wife, and he started a clothing company. And he, every time I'd have new hats, I put on Facebook, "Hey, we got some new hats at Bales. Whenever you get in, buying hay, whatever, buy a hat." He kept telling me, "Dude, you need to put these online." You have a unique name. I'm like you're stupid. I don't need to put these online. They're stupid. They're they're a hat. They're and and I didn't really. I wasn't on uh, Instagram very much at all. I didn't follow agriculture. I didn't follow anything. I just like had a pay or an Instagram. I didn't do anything on it hardly. Um, and uh, he's like, dude, there are so many people across the country that love farming and and. And, and, and the fact that you like there's a you're a, you're a farmer and you've got some cool clothes or cool hats you've got your t-shirts are cool or whatever and, and and it did get a little tricky because everyone that buys hay from us they're horse people um but everyone that buys a hat or a shirt from me online are generally farmers so at first i was having a lot of a lot of horse type of stuff and i had to realize i had to realize well i'm not i'm not a cowboy i'm not getting in the cowboy industry i don't want like the cowboy industry is so saturated with cowboy clothes i don't want to do that i want to i want to own a guy like like you or like dan to be like man that's a cool that's a cool farm hat it's got a tractor on it that's crazy that guy's last name is bales i see a bale of hay or a bale of cotton every day of my life like I, it's in my vocabulary when i go to when they talk about uh cotton how many bales per acre like that's cool or a t-shirt that's got a whatever an old rake and that's not and, and i used to i used to hate when my dad would get a new tractor and the uh, john deere dealership like hey Go pick out a T-shirt. You're like, your T-shirt suck. I don't want to wear those. Like, thanks for the cool <laughs> free T-shirt that sucks. Like, and so like I I have never once gone to a tractor dealership and thought, man, that's a cool shirt. I want to wear that shirt. <laughs> you know. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I um, as my buddy's like, dude, you need to make stuff, or you need to you need to put them online. You put them online. I'm like, oh, all right, okay. And the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, he's right. Like, there are a lot of farmers out there, and there aren't a lot of companies making things that another farmer would want to wear. And so mm-hmm. once I realized it, and I didn't, I didn't want to put my last name in the business. It started off as eight, the 1891 homestead for the year, my family homestead in Arizona. And he's like, you're stupid. Your last name is Bales. You know how often a farmer uses the word Bales? Like, I know, but I don't want to be that, that arrogant guy that has a business named after himself. He's like, but that's why it's so cool. Your last name is what you do. Like okay, so it took me a while like to see that it, that did have something that people liked about it. I wasn't. I, I just didn't. I just didn't want to come across as that that guy that put his name Jay Hill right on a hat, you know. And here by my Jay Hill hat. Just kidding. I love Jay. Uh, uh, and so, <laughs> but so if, if a lot of that early stuff said 1891 Homestead. And I thought, man, you know, a lot of farmers across the country, they're like, oh, we homesteaded in this state, that state, my ancestors, whatever they have homesteaded in this state, that state. But but it really came down to is like that's crazy. These guys' last name is Bales and they bale hay and their company is called Bales Hay Sales. And uh it, and I think that's been the, the best going to actually using that 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 name um just because of the lineup. So and, and it was a way 
man, our farm has, had, has been bleeding so for so many years, some bad decisions my grandfather made and some bad decisions my, my father made on purchasing land and property and, and, and deals. So my thought was, well, if I could, if I could make, make this, this little clothing company, and, and let's just say it makes me an extra $10,000 a year, that's $10,000 the farm doesn't have to pay me. And that can go towards another employee or a piece of equipment. Uh, unfortunately it's cost a lot of money because I've made a lot of crappy designs and made a lot of stupid shirts and hats that just were given away and not sold. Well, I hope one, one day it'll pay for itself and, and, and it'll be something to where I, I can say, look, uh, be, because of, because of the, the, the media and, and being a farmer and what this farm has provided for me, I can now take less, my, my, I can get paid less because these hats and t-shirts are, are selling or are making me money to where the farm can now take my, uh, my salary and put it towards other things. And that's, so that's kind of, uh, a part of it as well. Just a way to not be, take, take a little bit of a burden off the farm of paying me. So yeah, so yeah it's kind of a, <laughs> yeah, something that farmers actually want to wear. And then, uh, also to help, help our farm out too, I guess. And I enjoy it. I, I spend my day thinking about funny things. I had a pretty good idea. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have seen like a, a bale when they sometimes they come out funny or the soft spot in the middle, but they bend up and I, we call it like a, it's the bale tacoed. So I want a big bale that's tacoed and a three string bale that's tacoed, and a little two string bale that's tacoed. I'll put taco bale, B A L E S. It's a farm. It's a farm. <laughs> all three, the big bale, the, the, the three string, the two string, like a stair step. Dump, dump, dump. <laughs> so that was something I was thinking about uh, this week. I was like, taco bale. It's a farmer thing. Like, that's pretty funny, I guess. I don't know. That's uh, that's real funny. Um, you yeah, so. <laughs> you mentioned that, that early on you, you, you didn't do much as far as ag social media. Um, when did, when did the Bell's Hay Instagram, which, which has a pretty healthy following on there, um, when did it kind of take off and, and when did y'all start using that as a platform to market yourself? Well, back, I, I was using it, trying to use it to sell hay. I was like, you know, is it possible I can sell a truckload of hay through this Instagram thing? Cause when, man, when I was in tech, when I was in Africa, this Instagram thing was kicking off. And even before I went to Africa, I guess it was kicking off. So to me, I got home of it. What is this? Like, uh, I heard of it before I left. It seems kind of stupid, but whatever, you know, I think it's not going to work. Facebook's where it's all at. Well, then I started kind of playing around on it. A good friend of mine's like, you got to get one. All right, I'll get one. And I wonder if I could sell a truckload of hay on Instagram. So I was really geared more towards horses and stupid horse stuff. And I was like, Oh, this is dumb. I don't like horses that much. Um, yeah, they pay my bills, but I don't like them that much. They're beautiful. But anyways, uh, and, and so I just started doing more farm farmy stuff, and I like to think I'm a pretty goofy personality. I think I'm funny, anyways. That's what counts. My wife married me, so uh, I was like, "Well, I've got goofy enough personality. I'll just be myself on here." Uh, and uh, I, and so I just started doing stuff. But I would say when it really kicked off, I don't remember what I was doing. I was driving down. A, we we put all of our junk, old junk, in a in a big line where we line it all up, and it just sits there forever. And uh, <laughs> one morning, I was I was like, "Man." Like, oh, look at all this junk. Like, That's a pretty funny post. I was like, hey, I think I have my exact words. If you say you're a, if, if you uh, show me your junk, and if you're a farmer and you tell me you don't have junk, I question you as a farmer. You're a liar or something like that. I think I tagged Welker's Millennial Farmer 
and Jay in it. And, uh, and they like were silent. They didn't say anything. And then I had so many, I had like hundreds upon hundreds of people like sending me their junk and this and that. And, he, and I think somebody <laughs> like, we don't have, we don't have junk. What are you talking about? And then it turned, but then people started tagging it. And it was like in, 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 in like one week I went from like 2000 followers to like 15,000 followers. It was insane. And, uh, but they were the, the funniest, like, like I'd have men like, Oh yeah, I've got a big old, I got big bushy junk. And then they'd spin their, like, these are just like people tagging me and stuff. They'd spin their camera around. There's like a pile of junk and trees growing through it and stuff's everywhere. You're like, that's awesome. Then I'd have a, there'd be women. But okay. My husband's pretty embarrassed, but I'm about to show you his junk. He keeps it very tidy and very clean. And then they spin the camera around and there's pallets of just like random junk, but he's like, it's been weeded around it. Like it's like, it's like in a grassy area, but it's super clean and, and, and everything's very nightly stacked up in pallets and, and, and tight and set in this one area. And like that is the cleanest, tidiest junk pile I've ever seen. Uh, and then you get other people like, oh, my husband's junk's big and bushy. Check this out. There's a tractor with a tree growing through the middle of it or a pickup or something. It was, it was just <laughs> hilarious. And, uh, and, uh, and I, I'd say that. Yeah, talking about people's junk, that really, <laughs> it was it was pretty funny. This, uh, I don't know, people had a lot of fun with it, we had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I never thought we'd be talking about farmer's junk on this podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we are. <laughs> Clean junk, great dirty junk, bushy junk, all of the junk. <laughs> oh, it's so, so many women had so much fun talking about their husband's junk. Yeah. And there are a few, few, few uh, Beaver, uh, Beaver, uh, Tara, uh, uh, Conrad, uh, Her, she, her, some of her friends got out like, oh, check out my junk, you know, talking about their own junk, and it was like, oh, this is so good, it was, it was so funny. But man, and I don't know why I didn't even think about making a T-shirt at the time. I was like, how do you make a T-shirt? And man, like a year and a half later, I was like, oh, I got an idea for a T-shirt. Now I've got a Farmers Had Big Junk T-shirt, but it was a little too late, but it was still. Uh, it's still a fun shirt. I'll send you guys one, but uh, they're, they're they're pretty funny. But uh, yeah, that yeah, it was yeah. I just got to be friends with Jay and went down and saw that crazy guy and got to lucky enough there was a badger running out in the field and I got to I filmed him chasing this badger with a shovel. His brother shooting at it, missing in it. Jay trips and falls as he swing at the badger. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. It was a good. It was a good. You guys are pretty close, time. aren't you? Yeah, he's so busy. Gosh, that guy is a busy and very, very thought out. I mean, he he is a man. He's a machine. Like it's kind of funny. You watch him on social media, and you might even be around him. You're like, this guy. How does he keep a single thought straight? Like he is everywhere at one time. Like this guy's nuts. And he is calculated. He has goals. He has missions. He's got like things he's going to do and he, and, and he he is a very very impressive I, i'm i'm glad i met him because uh man he's just an impressive individual and i try to mm-hmm. try, i hope hopefully i can learn i can learn from him because i'm i'm kind of like i still with the wind whatever happens happens you know like <laughs> whatever but uh that guy's got like man he is so planned out and that is so important especially in farming you can't you can't just hope and 
flip a coin in, in farming anymore. It's not like it used to be, you know, when our grandfathers were farming. Oh, they're a feedlot will buy it or a dairy will buy it or oh, the, whatever. The, the, the wheat market's always good. I'll just plant wheat. Like you can't do that anymore. And, and uh, man, Jay is so diversified. And uh, I do worry sometimes we've got all our eggs in one basket and we grow alfalfa. That's what we do. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, that social media thing it's it's fun i feel bad i come home at night and I'm, i tell my tell my wife these funny stories about my new friends She's like who where are these friends from where'd you meet them oh, on online it's like yeah so they're imaginary friends I'm like no they're they're real people but they're just i've never met them in person so you talk to your friends online that you've never met in person yeah like it's just like you're retarded I'm like no i'm not I'm, I like them. So that's what I went to. I remember the first time when we went to see Jay, she's like, we, we pull up to his parents' house. She's like, okay, before we get out of the truck, I just got to get this straight. We're staying with the parents of someone you've never met, right? Yes. You, so you've never met Jay? No. You've never met his wife? No. You've never met his parents? No. And then there's another person from social media that's showing up too, right? Yes, Tony Fast is here. You've never met Tony Fast? No, I've never met Tony Fast. You've never met his wife? No, I've never met his wife. So we're about to stay in a random house with people you have never met. Yes, that's right. And you're sure you want? I'm like, I'm excited. Let's go. So it was just like going to o- Omaha. Omaha, same thing. It's like, who, who are these people you're going to see? Well, I, I mean, I'm pretty excited to see the Welkers. Who are they? Well, these farmers I've never met. Do you, do you talk? Do you know them? Like, I mean, I, like a few messages back and forth here and there. Oh, okay. Um, well, she, I mean, she just like thinks I'm crazy, but it's, it's turned out to be uh, pretty, pretty funny. Yeah, she's. Yeah, I think she's. She thinks I'm less crazy uh, as time goes on. I would, I would. I think. I hope. Anyways, I think the uh, the ag social media world is the only one of the few industries where I would feel comfortable showing up to a random place with somebody I've never met and feeling safe. Yep. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that could be scary. Other places. Yeah. Trevor, we're gonna we're gonna switch gears here and move on to our rapid fire section. Uh, we've got we've got four questions for you. You don't know them. Um, don't think too much about them, but tell us first th- first thing that comes to mind. Um, first question: okay. If 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 logistics and resources weren't an issue, and you could farm any crop for one season, what would you what would you give a try? Oh man, I love watermelons. I'd grow some watermelons. And I could just eat them all. That's a that's a good one. That's a that's a good one. Dan, I do love I love fruit, man. Any kind of fruit. Let's just grow some fruits. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I've never never thought. What what would you farm, Dan? What would you farm? Uh, I don't know. Well, I'm stuck here in God's country, so I can just about farm anything. But I'd say it'd be kind of fun to grow some corn. Uh, around here, just just to say that we can grow it better than than my staters, because we can just need some rain. But when, uh, Wait. We, we used to grow corn for dairies around us, and my dad would grow it in the field around our house, and I loved it. With my brother and I would go make forts out in it. Uh, I think oh, I, know, nice. I know that cho- that chopper had to have chopped up a few folding chairs here and there because we'd take everything out there, <laughs> but just take chairs and like sticks and like cardboard boxes and I don't know we were stupid and young and crazy but anyways we can grow Wait, we, can get two, we can get two harvests of corn in Arizona in one year too that's kind of crazy I think that is wow that is crazy we get a spring and a fall uh, 
yeah, spring and fall. Because I don't, they, you can't do that everywhere else, can you? They just get one, right? There's there's some people here around me that'll that'll kind of double crop it. Um, uh, they'll have like a, a short yeah. a short season silage, and then a, a little bit longer season, but not two full blown crops. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, Wade. What would you grow? I, a garden, a really nice garden. We asked somebody this question the other a couple of weeks ago, and you know, I don't I don't farm. My my wife and I live in town, so we'd put a really nice backyard garden in and be the nicest garden we'd ever have. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Dan, you got All a question right, for him? Uh, moving on. Yeah, uh, moving on. <clears throat> Trevor, if you could be any guest star on a TV show, what would the show be? Oh, my gosh. Well, I watch The Office a lot, but it's kind of old. Yes. I feel like I was <laughs> no, Michael Scott. No, it can't ever get old. I love that show. My wife thinks I'm crazy because I will watch it over and over and over again. <laughs> So, Why be the office? One. I love that show. Follow, it's, so, it's a good, right clean on. fun. There's no, no, no bad, dirty humor, no cussing, nothing like that. Uh, uh, next question. Uh, this is uh, I'm asking this because my wife and I have had this debate for about a week now. Trevor, what is the best little Debbie out there? The best little Debbie. A little like a little snack I'm cake. The only thing I've had are those those uh, Oreo cookies. Oreo cookies. Oh, the uh, oatmeal cookies. Oatmeal, not Oreo. The, the sorry, ones with cookies. Sorry. The cream yes. in the middle. Yeah. Those are pretty good. I don't yep. eat a lot of little Debbie's. I do eat a lot of ice cream. Ice cream is good too. Yeah. And my wife. All right. We're on the topic. We're on the topic, uh, Trevor. On your story, I'd say at least I don't know. Ninety-nine percent of the time, you're either eating a sandwich or ice cream, like you said. I mean, there's just I always get hungry anytime I watch one of your stories. Favorite all-time food to eat? I love pizza. I don't post eating a lot of pizza, but I love pizza. There we go. I, I'm with I you. should say a nice steak. I should say steak because I'm not gonna. You know, a farm boy, we have our own beef, but I love pizza. But you can put meat on pizza, so it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's hard to beat a good pizza. <laughs> I love a good pizza. Trevor, as we... as my we wife, s- Go ahead. I was saying my wife makes a really good lasagna, and I kind of consider it the same thing as pizza without crust. <laughs> well, a good lasagna is good, too. Um, as, we, as we start to wrap things up here, why don't you tell everybody out there where they can find you on social media? Uh, Bales Hay uh, on Instagram, Bales Hay, Facebook, we're Bales Hay as well. Um, like our website's baleshay.com, pretty, pretty easy, pretty simple. I, and I started YouTube, which I, which is difficult. I don't like doing YouTube. That takes way too much time. Uh, but there's Bales Hay YouTube. I don't know. I post stuff sometimes. Folks, those, those links will be down in the show notes. Be sure and check out all of his stuff. Um, Instagram's got great content on it. I'm, I'm sure the YouTube does as well. Uh, Dan, close it out for us. Well, I'm supposed to ask you your final thoughts, Trevor, but I've I've started. I've, I want to start saying this at least every episode, and especially uh, with the way you started out the show. Uh, you, you talked about how you sometimes feel uh, like you might not be a farmer, so to say, uh, with the way that the operations are run, and it's my belief uh, at the young age and ripe age of 22 that 
uh, no matter if you're farming a, a garden or you've got 10,000 acres of land or, you know, 100,000 acres of land, that's living the dream. And, I mean, you can raise anything, any type of, of, of fruit, a vegetable, grain, uh, hay, grass, whatever you can think of, uh, milk. I mean, there's all sorts of different categories in agriculture. But the thing that all brings it together is it's living the dream. And, I mean, that mm -hmm. just you cannot take that away. I've been sitting on this the whole time we've been on the recording. I just, I just had to, I just had to say it, but don't ever feel like you're not a farmer because by golly, you are, you're, you're living the dream there, Trevor. And, uh, just had to say that now moving on, if you could leave, <laughs> Thank you. uh, leave our listeners with something, uh, something from, from you personally, what would you like to say, uh, to end us out? Who, um, Set, set set goals. I think goals are very important. I've not been very good at, at setting goals, but um, in, in your life in general, it's good to set goals. I think it, they are so important and they can lead to so many good good things in a life. Um, whether that for us, for myself, uh, I have a goal of building a, a, a big new um, feed store. I'll only get done in five years. Uh, but then with my wife, we have a goal of, you know, we would like to have minimum three kids um and maybe even adopt one so i think goals are very important um for especially for young people i'm not all that much older than, than you dan but i like to think i could sometimes influence um younger younger generations uh just because i'm not that far ahead of you but it's it's i think goals are important to, because it, you'll you'll be 35 34 and it'll seem like, wow, what did I just do for the past 10 years? And for me, I didn't have any goals, but I kind of floated with in the wind with a, with a, with a great story and some cool experiences. Unfortunately, it can go the opposite. You can float in the wind and end up with nothing in 10 years. So set goals and, uh, and, and, and they can change over time, but, but it's still good to have goals. I guess, right yeah. I uh, kind of got in the yeah, spot there. What's right another on. good one? Uh, dream, dream big. No, that's a dumb one. Um, what's another good saying? Uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what's what's a good Chinese cracker cookie. Uh, your lucky numbers aim, are aim four, small, 15, small. twenty-two. Yeah, aim small. Oh, I love that line from <laughs> the, uh, the the Patriot. Aim small, miss small. Amen. Yeah, that's what that good movie. Oh. Wow. Oh. Well, Trevor. Uh, wow. Uh, like I said in the in the beginning, I thought I knew you a little bit. But my word, I've I've learned so much about you. And uh, one of these days, I'm just gonna have to drive to Arizona and, and meet you face to face. But uh, wow, I, I'm blown away with everything you've shared. Uh, you touched on your faith a little bit, and I appreciate that about you that you're not uh, you're not afraid of of sharing uh, that. Uh, wow. Yeah, that's that's about all I have to say. Um, Wade, do you want to the finish ne up? next podcast? The next podcast I'll tell you about when we were the the year I spent in Alaska. That was crazy. Gosh dang it! There's so much. I'm back. kidding. I, there was there was there was not a year in Alaska. I'm just kidding. Oh, okay. Well, I, I would believe it wholeheartedly. No, no, everything else has been true. Alaska, that's not true. No, I understand. It's fun. Uh, wow, uh, Wade, do you want to want to end us up? Uh, Trevor, thanks again for coming on and sharing sharing your story with us. Um, 
know, when Dan and I first first talked about getting you, we thought, man, it, he's got a cool hay story out in Arizona. Man, we were wrong, and it, it, it the, the hay story was cool, but there was so much more. Um, so what, <laughs> once again, thanks. Thanks for coming on with us, and Dan, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Advocates. Be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages to see who we'll feature next. On behalf of Dan, I'm Wade. We'll see you next time.